Welcome to episode number 42 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast, affordable housing and pet rescue with Crossroads Campus in Nashville, Tennessee. Before you decide this is something I want, stop and think, is this something that's that's best for the animal? You know, if I want to pick up that cute little dog and give him a kiss, does that little, you know, cute little dog really want that kiss? That was Kim Ifert, Director of Animal Care and Programs at Crossroads Campus. Crossroads is a social enterprise and nonprofit that's really proving the strength of the human-animal bond for healing. In the Nashville area, they provide not only a pet rescue, but affordable housing and job internships to young people in the area. And you're going to hear more about that in the interview here as we get started. A random fun fact. Kim and I met for the first time on video last week when we did this interview. Uh, just a reminder that you can always join me live for our interviews. If you go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash live, you'll see when the next one is that's scheduled and you can pop on YouTube or Facebook and join me for those. But Kim and I met for the first time last week on the live interview and we found out that we are both went to Purdue University to get our undergrad degrees. And you know, that's just cool in and of itself, right? It's always exciting to meet somebody who crossed paths with us at some point in our past, even if we didn't know them back then. But on top of that, Kim and I were in the same sorority. So we were both in Alpha Gamma Delta at Purdue, which is just such a tiny um, cross-section of people in the world. And we just thought that was so cool and so crazy that we had that in common. So you could that's just a fun fact about Kim and I. So the simple action that you can take after today's episode is to wait for consent. So Kim brought this up in terms of interacting with an animal. We can wait for consent, meaning be patient and allow the animal to come to us. And what's funny is as she was sharing that, I was thinking like that's really a good rule in life as a whole, right? Like we can wait for consent and allow others to come to us, whether it be human beings or animals. So I thought that was a great, simple action that we can all try practicing after this episode. Be patient, wait, and allow people or animals to come to us. So for day for today's show notes with all the links, uh, the video of our interview, um, the transcript, all that good stuff, go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 42. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. Our executive director and founder, Lisa Stetter, uh, has always been an animal lover. And, you know, she's a very smart person. She's very connected here in Nashville. And she started to recognize the homelessness, um, the situation in Nashville getting worse and worse. You know, as we're, um, as the city grows and neighborhoods start to gentrify, the uh, Nashvillians, the native Nashvillians are being kind of displaced. Um, those who are sort of in underserved communities. So she identified um, where they are and she started on a project um, 
many years ago called Room in the Inn. And it's a, it's a homeless shelter, but it's also a place where they try and get people back on their feet and help them become equipped to go out in the world and be successful again. Um, as she was doing that, she realized that, you know, the importance of this is, is crucial. But if we're getting people when they're already in their, you know, 30s and 40s and they're kind of set in their ways, it's so much harder to change that. So she um, started working with young adults um, and that's the, the audience that we service. So we work with young adults and we offer a job training program to young adults who have uh, experienced trauma or loss if they are, you know, have have been raised in the foster care system and they're aging out, but don't necessarily have a support network. Um, if they've been homeless and are looking for something. So she started this, but she also had this, um, uh, reality that Nashville's animal control, uh, shelter, Metro animal care and control had such a high euthanasia rate. And she was trying to figure out a way to help that as well. So she became involved with um, the Safe Coalition here in Nashville, which uh, is a, an organization of animal rescue um, organizations, different foster type rescues and shelter rescues. And she created this synchronicity between homeless uh, or disadvantaged young adults and homeless animals. So the goal is she started a store. So it's Crossroads Campus, which is the whole organization. But we have a store called Crossroads Pets. Um, it's a pet supply store. We also have a grooming salon there. So it's in Nashville. Um, it's you know great quality products that we try to offer at an affordable price. Um, and we have our what we call interns come in and we work with a number of different social um, social workers and housing networks. We invite these young people to work with us. We offer a job training program and they have certain skills and targets that they have to meet in each of the areas. So they learn the retail operation, customer service, answering phones, um, product knowledge, that type of thing. They learn the um, stocking shelves, the kind of back business side of it. Some of them learn the grooming operation. They learn the basics of it. Um, but the biggest part for me and the part that I run in this organization is an animal rescue. So we work with our Metro Animal Care and Control and we work with a number of other um, larger animal control facilities. And we pull the kind of shy, fearful, uh, the animals that would be hard to place in most shelters. You know, if they look like they have kennel aggression um, or if they're, you know, hiding in the back of their kennel, they come to our shelter. We're a very small rescue. We only take in, you know, four to five dogs at a time and we can take up to four cats or we can take a litter of kittens um, if space allows. And we work with those animals. We socialize, we train, we, we basically rehabilitate. Um, and we teach all of our interns how that process works. Um, so we start with our program that we call Humane Education or Care and Connections. And we teach them all about animal body language. We talk about not putting labels on the animals. We talk about... Um, you know, making sure that they feel safe and that we get their consent every time we're working with them. So it really is kind of a reflection on what a lot of our young adults are working on as well. Um, and to see that resilience in the animals, our goal really is to help these young adults see that resilience and, and adapt to that and, you know, learn to be resilient on their own. Oh, that's, it's so cool. And I know that 
<laughs> from my own experience, I feel like I can relate to and connect with an animal oftentimes much easier than I can with a human being. Right. And so I would imagine that helps kind of bridge that gap. Right, right. Um, we do a lot with, or we're, we're always learning um, in what we do. And we have case managers, our programs team, which is the one, I'm the animal care programs we also have a people care programs. It's not what they're called, but <laughs> um, the programs team does a lot of, um, we do a lot of continued training with our staff. And so we work a lot on um, understanding uh, trauma-informed care and, you know, the triggers that that can, you know, that we're not even aware of with some of our young people and some of ourselves, you know, we realize that everybody has their experiences. Um, and it's really great to be able to if somebody's having a hard day and we don't always know why, um, it's great for them to be able to come back and work with an animal and, you know, and teach them something or just, you know, kind of get your hands on that warm fuzzy. And, you know, of course the animals that want to be, you know, want to be treated as warm and fuzzies, um, not all of them are there, but uh, our goal is to get them there. And, and again, it's, you know, it gives some decompression to um, the people that are working through our program. It gives some decompression to the staff sometimes. Um, it's not always easy, but it's it's just such a great program to, like I said, kind of see that resilience and, and be able to make those comparisons between human and animal and build a bond with, with someone or something that you might not have been open to before. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And the animals, so how often... So, so I'm guessing, so you were saying how a, a lot of the animals that you'll end up choosing to rescue are the shy ones who are scared or they're mm -hmm. showing aggression within the, the kennel environment. Mm -hmm. How long do you see that it usually takes for them to kind of relax and their actual personalities to come out once they're in your care? Uh, that's a really good question. I wish I had a really easy answer. <laughs> uh, it, it really depends on the animal. It kind of depends on... Um, I think their back history, which we very rarely get, um, you know, we've got one, one guy with us right now, Raz, who is, you know, we all adore him, but if you meet him for the first time, he's kind of scary. Um, so we're working with him on, uh, barrier reactivity and getting him used to people and letting him learn when he's, when he feels safe to approach and when he's not, he's been with us since January, which is kind of a long time. Um, we have another little guy that's with us right now. Um, who's not available for adoption yet. He's still kind of coming out of his shell. He's been living in a kennel under my desk for the last three weeks. Um, and he's one, we got an email from another animal control facility that said, hey, we have a tiny biter. They just called him tiny biter. <laughs> and uh, he was found, he, he was taken from a hoarding situation where he really didn't have any social skills at all. Um, and all he would do is bite people. So um, what we've realized is that he's he hasn't tried to bite anybody with us yet. I just think the environment is different. Um, he's now coming out. He had the zoomies yesterday and was running around the room. And um, But for the first week and a half, I don't think he even ever once came out of the kennel. Um, so it, it really depends on the animal. And then we've had others that, um, you know, we've picked up and have heard, you know, horror stories about, this dog does this and this dog does that. And within a week, the dog is like, Hey, everybody's great. So, uh, we had one, his name was Rudy and he's actually, we just sent a newsletter out this morning that, um, that in the shelter he was in prior to us, the only person that could handle him was the vet. 
And he's this little, you know, little chihuahua thing. And I went to meet him and kind of sat down on the floor before she let him out. And, and she said, are you sure you want me to let him out? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to touch him. I'm not going to do anything. I just kind of sat there quietly and I came up, investigated and I dropped some cheese on the floor within, I want to say three or four days, we could take that dog out into the public. Um, he, he just turned around so quickly. I think that the change in environment, you know, we forget that, that these animals are going through trauma too. You know, I, I found myself in the shelter and there's all these people and I'm getting, you know, vaccinations and, you know, things up my nose and they're waiting me and they're all strangers and there's a hundred dogs around and, um, you know, it can be so traumatic for them. But that little guy, um, gosh, if I didn't already have four dogs at home, I would have definitely brought that one home. <laughs> but he ended up in this wonderful home um, with an older dog that he kind of, you know, gave a little bit more life to. And um, when the older dog, the other dog that this woman had was 15, um, when that dog passed, she still had little Rudy uh, to kind of grieve with. And he just, like I said, within two weeks was just the most amazing little dog. So um, it really depends on the dogs and it depends on how much time we have to give to them as well. So I, you know, I was, I was thinking that as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, time and environment, right? Because in, in a shelter, typically a county shelter, there's not going to be a lot of time, right? right for, for right. people to like sit and work with them. You know, we have, um, there's a, a place where I volunteer. We have a program where we work specifically with those dogs. We call them blossoming wallflowers. They're just like, the <laughs> but um, you know, they're yeah, same. Either scared or well, they're they're scared one way or the other. They they either react aggressively or they react by withdrawing. Right. But um, you know, it's it's amazing because it's it's volunteer. It's all volunteers that go in there, and because the volunteers have the time to sit with the animal in the morning and in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to all the stuff that the staff can do, you see changes in them. And right. I, I was thinking like, yeah, time and patience probably has so much to do with it. And right. um, I mean, that's what's amazing about another amazing thing, right? About the program that you offer is that you have, so there are people who are living there. People live on property. Do the animals mm -hmm. stay on property as well? They do. They do. And we're actually getting ready to um, expand and build a new building. Right now, we started with a pilot program, our affordable housing with, um, it's an efficiency apartment, has four bedrooms. Uh, our case managers work right outside of that apartment. So, you know, we're, we're there for them um, the majority of the time. So started with, so we have four residents right now and they live actually upstairs. Um, it's a second floor apartment and then our animals stay downstairs. We've got a kennel room set up in a training room. It's actually in my office, um, which can make it very hard to get things done, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a unique setup. And then our affordable housing unit, as we expand, we'll have, um, 22 efficiency apartments in our new building. Um, and we're actually hoping that we can, um, get our residents trained and, open to the idea of fostering. So we'll be able to help more animals and bring more animals into the program, you know, see how they do in a home type setting. Um, but they're always going to be, you know, close by. So if something does happen, um, if an animal gets sick and somebody doesn't know how to take care of it, or, you know, it's got behaviors that they're showing and they don't know how to, how to work through them. We're right there on site so we can, you know, help them out. So it's really exciting to be able to see that we're going to have this, this, you know, be able to help so many more people. Um, we have four residents right now, but we have nine interns working actually in the storefront. So, 
Wow, which is amazing just in that tiny little space that you have. So for anyone who's listening, you need to go look this up because it's a gorgeous, <laughs> like gorgeous Victorian home in Nashville. I don't know, probably built about 100 years ago, maybe. Do you know? I think it's a little over 100 years old. It's been all kinds of things. So <laughs> It's so cool. It's so cool. So people should definitely go look it up just to kind of start to picture picture what we're talking about. And then this new project. So how big is the new project going to be? And what sort of timeline is that on? I assume COVID has impacted that. COVID's definitely impacted. Um, and, you know, a lot of it's fundraising and COVID, you know, so many people losing their jobs and um, being put in tough positions. The fundraising definitely slows down. Um, we were also hit by the tornado last year that came through on March 3rd. So that that definitely slowed us down. We had to, you know, put our money into other places that we hadn't anticipated. But um, so the new project is going to be in North Nashville on 16th and Buchanan, which is um Actually, the zip code there is the zip code that has the highest incarceration rate of any zip code in the country. Um, so our goal is to get in there and, you know, help provide resources. So the um, plan is for a 22 unit uh, efficiency housing building. And then we also have a um, cafe going on site. That'll be a we're hoping that it's going to be a cat cafe so we can have cat adoptions there. But we also, one of our social enterprises as well is a, is a baking operation. So they learn, our interns learn commercial baking and they get their food certifications or food service um, and preparation certifications. Um, so we'll be running a cafe there. We'll have um, a small bakery, an actual um, industrial kitchen in the basement of that. And then we have a third building that we're hoping to use as kind of a resource center. Um, so we would love to be able to teach dog training classes in there. We'll have human education programs. Um, we are hoping to be able to start like summer camps for children about just general education about that human animal bond, people and pets. Um, we are breaking ground on June 8th. Um, so very excited about that. And we're looking at a probably nine to 12 month um, construction timeline. Um, assuming all goes well and we don't run into other little snafus and whatnot. So. Although, I mean, gosh, I feel like a year goes by so quick. I guess we can all kind of, well, I don't know. I was going to say, look at, the, look at the past year. I, yeah, I guess for some people, the past year went by really fast. And for others, it did not, obviously. Right. Or I think for all of us, I guess some aspects did and some aspects didn't. But right. um, I was going to say a year goes by so fast. And probably with the world and, the well, at least the U.S. right now opening back up, the um, – things will start to feel like they're moving really fast again, right. I assume. So, right. um, gosh, so exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, I, how did you get involved with Crossroads Campus? So what's your background and how did you find them? And you're now the director of animal care programs. Yeah, animal care and programs. So I oversee animal care and the human education aspect of it. Um, so I, <laughs> I have reinvented myself so many times. <laughs> But this one seems to be sticking. Um, so I graduated from Purdue with a degree in business and worked in retail for several years. Um, when I had children, I, my daycare situation, which was fabulous for a while, um, kind of fell apart. And um, we were up in the Chicago area. So I stayed home and I started, you know, just kind of um, freelance painting, doing little projects and um, some graphic design stuff. Um, and I was working with a, um, an organization doing interior design 
And I had a dog that we had just adopted from a shelter. Um, she was um, beautiful. She was amazing. She was also um, fear aggressive and terribly dangerous. <laughs> um, so we, me having three small kids, um, it was just not a great situation. So I ended up having to make a really tough decision with her. And it really changed the course of my life. You know, I was working on an interior design project and my client was, you know, didn't like this one color stripe with, you know, and I you are the luckiest person in the world if that color stripe is your biggest issue. Um, you know, and here I was thinking I'd save the dog and I had to, you know, and saving the dog, I ended up putting her to sleep, which um, felt horrible. So I quit my job. I went back to school um, to study dog training and animal behavior in the vein of trying to keep anybody from having to make that decision again. Um, it was heart-wrenching for, you know, for all of us. Um, although looking, it was still the right decision for the dog who was just, you know, living fear every day. Um, and for my kids and all for my neighbors, you know, I had a, you know, hundred pound dog that didn't like people, you know, or was afraid of people. So um, I went back to school and um, became a dog trainer. And then I started um, working at our local shelter and ended up through there uh, just as a volunteer. Then I became um, kind of a behavior consultant. Then I became the dog trainer, starting classes there. Then I became the human educator and you know, starting programs for kids to come in or going out to schools and teaching them about animals. And, and then I took the job as the volunteer coordinator um, so worked with volunteers and training them and, and getting them to see the shelter side of animals. You know, you can't just go in and play with puppies. Um, and that's a hard thing for people who are volunteering with animals. You know, I just want to go play with them. I just want to love them. They're not ready to be loved yet. Um, you know, and, and some of them might never be until they get into a quieter setting. Um, and so after several years in different positions, um, I was asked to be the um, operations director and the shelter went from a 3,000 square foot to a 20,000 square foot. So I was able to kind of bridge that, that change. Um, and about a year and a half after we opened that new shelter in Chicago, um, my husband and I decided to relocate to Nashville. Just, you know, fresh perspective, Chicago weather was getting, you know, was getting, you know, as I get older, I'm not as, uh, as adaptable to, to the cold the way that I used to be, I guess. Um, so we moved to Nashville and I just found that I'm not very good at sitting still. Um, so I started looking at, you know, in my head, I was like, what do I do that? Like, what can I do that I want to do most enjoy? And it really was that educational piece, you know, working with the animals, but in, in the vein of education and helping other people understand. Um, so I just got online and started Googling, you know, humane education programs and crossroads came up over and over and over again. So I finally reached out and, um, they didn't have a job for me at that point in time, but I just started kind of shadowing as a volunteer in their caring connections or their educational programs. Um, and then they were had an unfortunate situation where their adoptions manager um, was injured and she broke her ankle and had to take some time off. And so I stepped in as a temporary um, position and you know now I'm there as the director of programs. So <laughs> Um, kind of roundabout way, but it's, you know, helping people, helping pets, helping, um, you know, seeing the situation and the homelessness in Nashville was so eye-opening to me. And knowing that I can be a part of trying to help turn it around um, is something that has become near and dear to my heart. But the animal thing has always been, you know, as a kid, 
uh, my dad was Navy. So we moved every two years and the one constant friend was my dog. So, you know, it's, it's something that's been with me since I was seven years old. And now that I'm decades along, <laughs> um, it's still there. And I get to help people with that connection as well. It's that's such an amazing story. And I'm so thankful that you just shared all of it because I think a lot of people, um, I think probably relate to a lot of what you said and also feel like, oh my gosh, she's in this dream job. Like, how could I get into this dream job? And, you know, of course it's, it's a very stressful, (laughs) stressful position to be in. But, um, I think that sharing that, you know, you started by volunteering, you just kept following your heart and, um, it, it led there. And I think it's just, like such a perfect example of just taking the first step. And I think um, that always seems to be the the place to start, right? Yeah. To try to get to what seems like would be a dream um, job or a dream position or a dream thing to be doing in the world. Um, you know, you mentioned again, the human animal bond that you noticed as a child, and then you are now able to like be a part of on numerous levels every day. I wonder, um, this may be too hard to answer, but are there like any success stories? Are there any favorite stories that you've seen occur where you've seen um, just a bond between a human and an animal within Crossroads just really like bring joy and love to everybody? Um, oh gosh, there are, there are a lot of them. <laughs> um, and I've only been there for about a year and a half. So it's... Um, you know, I can relate, like, I'm trying to think, there's, there's one story that I think is, it was very near and dear to my heart. We had this little, little dog that came in. We called him Leo because he looked like a little tiny lion. He was a Pomeranian, Pekingese, something or other, some little, little red fluff ball. Um, but he came in and he had just been neutered and he had an infection. So he was just, um, traumatized like he he wouldn't walk he wouldn't eat he wouldn't do anything he if you tried to touch him he'd start screaming and um you know we were all trying to work with this dog and like how could we get him to feel better and you know even just touching him he'd start which you know sounded like we were torturing him and um you know we're just trying to help but we we finally got into the place where you know with uh, medications and you know just kind of gentle like letting him come to us kind of things um, we got him to the place where he was comfortable with us. And then um, I put him up for adoption and um, somebody had reached out to me saying, you know, my husband um, really needs a dog right now. And he was, he was actually the first um, diagnosed case of COVID in Davidson County, which is the Nashville area. Um, he spent several months in the hospital on a respirator um, before that, he was a pastor. He was um, healthy. He was the guy who, you know, he was the go-to at his church. You know, he'd fix everything. And um, and he ended up, because of all the COVID complications, he lost um, one of his legs. He lost a, a portion of another foot. Um, he lost, you know, so his mobility, his independence. Um, and his wife was like, he just, I think he needs a dog. And, you know, I was like, well, I have this dog here that's, you know, small enough that he could jump up in his lap while he's in his wheelchair and, um, you know, just really kind of watch that, that snuggle time. And so they came in and met this dog and it was like an instant bond. I mean, the dog jumped right up in his lap where other people had met the dog and the dog was kind of, you know, he's a little shy, a little nervous, kind of backed away. 
And this, you could just see that connection almost right away. And I still get updates. I actually just got an update maybe a week and a half ago. They now call it, oh, he does great with their daughter's dog. And um, the gentleman that adopted him actually just had to have throat surgery. And they sent me this lovely picture of, you know, him sitting in his chair with, you know, all the bandages on his neck and the little dog just sound asleep, belly up like a baby right next to him. And um, so that's probably my favorite one. Um, we have, gosh, you know, we just have so many. It's, you know, it's a great thing. One of my favorite intern stories um, is we had a young woman who um, had been working with us and she'd been there for um, a while before I started. And when I first came in, you know, she kind of gave me that, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, you're, you're coming in here and tell us what to do. Um, and I really found I had to kind of prove myself to her. Um, and she has been through an awful lot in her life and she has this hard exterior shell and she's now, she was um, particularly interested in the grooming aspect and she now has her own business and she's working out of another organization that we partner with, National Tailblazers. And she is a fear-free groomer. So she takes her time. Like that's one of the things that we focus on is taking your time and do it in a way that the, that the dog feels good about what they're doing um and she's super successful and she's got her own business in nashville and she grooms some dogs too so um you know it's great to see her come from you know a, a what i imagine was a really challenging place and now she's on that road to success and she just turned 21 yesterday and is um you know young and and you know ready for the world so that's one of our intern success stories that i'm that i know of so yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. 21 with your own successful business. I mean, right. oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, the story of the man with the dog, it is amazing, isn't it? How sometimes I feel like it's kind of like the same thing as humans. You know, there's there's humans that I don't, your soulmate or, you right. know, whatever. But, you know, it's like there's there's humans where you have this bond and the same thing happens with animals too. And mm -hmm. it's just like, you do see it where it's a, literally a one-on-one -on -one situation where it's like, oh yeah, there it is. Like that's right. like perfect. And I think just the fact that, um, you get to be in the business of creating more chances for people to find that bond. Mm -hmm. It's just so exciting. And it's such a gift to the world, right? Because it's, yeah, just creating those chances for people to find each other. I just, um, I am so excited about it. I'm so excited that you guys are expanding and I, I just can't wait to see where it all goes. I know, um, I know. I would love for this to become a pilot program that we could then franchise around the country. And that's, that's a big dream, but <laughs> we'll see how the first one goes. <laughs> Right. But you know, it's funny. It's a big dream, but you can totally see it, right? Mm -hmm. You can totally see it. And what would be really exciting too is if funding got behind it in all these different cities and the governments right. looked at it and said, oh, look, like a solution would right. be amazing. Um, yeah. And I've been so fortunate that Nashville has, you know, they, they helped us get that safe coalition going so we could help Metro. Uh, Metro actually went from, I want to say it was a 93% euthanasia rate to a less than 10% euthanasia rate. So in a matter of five years by starting this. So, you know, that alone is huge and not every animal should be, should be placed. That's a tough thing to say as someone, you know, who's in the animal world, but they're doing such a great job, you know, with coalitions and networks like this, but yeah. And it's, like I said, the national government has been super helpful with us um, or to us with this. So.
That's amazing. That's so amazing. Um, if somebody wants to support you guys, where do they find you? And what's the, um, yeah, so let me ask you two questions. If someone wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you? And then to support Crossroads Pets and Crossroads Campus, what's the best way to do that? Okay, um, so actually kind of all are in the same place. Um, you can go to our website, crossroadscampus.org. Um, then you're, there you'll see all the programs that we run. Um, there's a donation button on there, of course. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Crossroads Pets is the Facebook page, and we have an Instagram, which is um, Crossroads Pets Shop and Adopt. So you can find us all over the place, but the easiest way is really you can go to our website directly, um, see all the different things that we do. Um, my information is on there. Um, call the store, get in touch with me. Um, I'm, I'm definitely best through email because clearly I can talk an awful lot. So <laughs> in the vein of watching everyone's time, um, you know, uh, you, I can easily be emailed or you can reach out through the website. So Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And then my last question for you, this is something I ask everybody who comes on because we all, um, it's amazing the creative ideas that come out of everyone. So I ask, what is one simple idea that you can share with everyone who's watching and listening that they could do to help animals or the earth every day of their lives? Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Or um, right now, even, you know, just a way to start. Yeah. I mean, honestly, wait, wait for consent. You know, it's, it, which it sounds like a, a weird thing, but when it comes to the animals, I find that um, most of them are, um, they, they just, they need to have it, they need to have a voice. So I guess maybe instead of wait for consent, for consent give them a voice. Um, pay attention to what they're, what they're doing, pay attention to that body language, to what they're saying, you know, before you decide this is something I want, stop and think, is this something that's, that's best for the animal? You know, if I want to pick up that cute little dog and give him a kiss, does that little, you know, cute little dog really want that kiss? You know, before I, you know, even for the earth, before we start changing things, um, think about, you know, think about what's best for, the general world. Um, yeah. Get consent, wait, patience. Um, I can, if we all could just stop and look and wait, wouldn't it be a better place? <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Yeah. You know, it's true. I mean, patience, my goodness. It's like, right. yeah, I, I see it in my own life. Like when I can actually catch myself enough to be like, whoa, stop. Like, right. Wait. Stop, yeah. observe, you know, take, take a look at the world yeah. around us and decide, is that, is this really the best? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And give them a chance to come to you, people and animals. Right. And mm -hmm. let, let everyone be the the king of their own domain. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really, really love that. Um, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing about yourself, about your life, about Crossroads Campus, all of the successes that you guys have and everything that we can do to support it. I am so excited for this. And um, yeah, yeah, thank you again for being yeah. here.
thank you so much to everyone who is involved in making this interview happen. Bob and Karen Christian, Rundi Reem, and Kim for coming on. I'm so excited to see where this project goes. I could just picture in 20 years how we're going to see them in all these different cities around the United States. And that's just, it's so cool. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider telling a friend. The easiest way to direct them to our show is tell them to go to 4 animals for earth.com slash podcast and there they'll find links to all of the major streaming platforms so they can check out our show wherever it's easiest for them if you're up for leaving a review they're always tremendously helpful it gives us a little bit of street cred out there to to reach new people and have people give us a listen uh you can do that if you're on apple Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you ever want to join me for a live interview and jump in and ask questions or just, you know, comment along as we're going, I would absolutely love to have you there. You can see what's coming up at any given time at 4animalsforearth.com slash live. And also just a reminder that I am over on Clubhouse. I am in a room with my friend Jay from the In Omnia Paradis podcast every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time called Step Into Sustainability. And we're hosting just fun, casual conversations about navigating this world around sustainability as it becomes more and more mainstream and so much more of a hot topic, I guess, among society. So I'd love to have you join me there. You can find me on Clubhouse at Brandy H. Montague. All right. If you have any questions, just reach out. Hello at 4 or on Instagram at 4 Okay. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye.